So, have you ever wondered what people mean when they say boondocking? Do you want to try it yourself but have no idea how to find campsites? Is boondocking even safe? Stay tuned to the Wayward Home Podcast where we'll answer all your questions about boondocking and more. Welcome to the Wayward Home Podcast, all about van life, boat life, and nomadic living. We'll bring you tips, interviews, and stories from the road and on the water. Now, here's your host, Kristen Hayes. Hey there, I'm Kristen, founder of thewaywardhome.com, and I spend half the year in my camper van in the U.S. and half on my sailboat in Mexico. I hope to help you achieve your nomadic living dreams of freedom and adventure. So before we get started into this boondocking episode, I just wanted to wish you Happy New Year. It's January 2022, which is really exciting. And the reason I haven't recorded a podcast episode lately is that we've been traveling quite a bit. So last time I talked to you, we were near the Palm Desert area. We spent about a week there with my family, and then we moved to Arizona, where we stored our Astro van in Yuma with our utility trailer, uh, went to Tucson, and then drove the Sprinter van down into Mexico. So if you hear some funny sounds behind this podcast, it's because I'm actually in a working boat yard right now, sitting in my new Sprinter van, and Tom is on our sailboat painting it and getting it ready for our winter cruising season in the Sea of Cortez. So that's where I'm at, and I hope you had a happy new year and that you have a lot of fun plans for 2022. So in this episode, we're going to talk about one of my very favorite things, which is boondocking. So boondocking is when you stay out on federal lands like BLM land or National Forest Service land and you find free campsites. This is something amazing where you're usually far away from other people. You get great nature views, a sense of solitude, and really nature is your backyard. And this is really our favorite thing to do. Uh, Sometimes we do stay in campgrounds. That can be nice too, just to fill up our water and take showers. But boondocking is our preferred method of camping. Now, I didn't always know what boondocking was. I actually discovered it back, you know, many years ago, probably when I first got the Astro van around 2018. We were camping with my friends in Sequoia National Park in a campground, and, you know, it was nice, but gosh, it was noisy. There were people having parties, playing loud music, drinking. Um, It was, you know, kind of annoying the way campgrounds can be annoying. Um, So after my friends went home, we decided, oh, we're going to stay in Sequoia National Park for a while longer. Maybe we should go look at other campgrounds. But first we set out to explore. So we drove down this random dirt road and I started to see RVs and vans parked along the road. I was like, what is this? I had never seen this before. And then I started to see these signs that said dispersed camping allowed. I'm like, what? Like dispersed camping in your vehicle? I've always been a backpacker and I've known about dispersed camping like with a backpack, you hike in, you you find a campsite, but I'd never heard of of camping just in the middle of nowhere in your vehicle. And I was super excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is right in nature. This is incredible. So we decided to give it a try. We found a dirt road that led up to this beautiful plateau with rocks and pine trees and views in the distance of of the sunset and some of the granite peaks familiar to, to the Sierra mountain range. And that's when I fell in love with boondocking and I decided to learn everything I could about it. Like what app should I be using? How do I find these amazing sites? And so that's when I started to get into boondocking and I've been hooked ever since. So I want to share in my joy of boondocking with you. I know trying something new can be a little intimidating at first, which is why today I'm super excited that Marianne Edwards is joining me on the podcast. So Marianne and her husband have been boondocking for over 20 years. 
She's written boondocking guides for six different states where she gives GPS coordinates and advice on what type of vehicle can fit in the site, if it has internet, water, etc. Her books also have activities you can do in the area, like some of her favorite hikes. Marianne also helped found Boondockers Welcome. Now that's a program that lets private homeowners open up their driveways and land for people traveling in RVs and camper vans. You pay a low annual fee and you can camp in as many driveways as you want throughout the year. It's a really cool alternative to campgrounds and it's if you're traveling through a city, um, it's better than sleeping on the street probably. So Marianne is Canadian and first learned about boondocking during a year-long RV trip to the US back in the year 2000. The whole intent was to see how far we could stretch the few dollars that we had. Would we make it for a whole year without having to stop and work along the way, etc.? They were in a road truck camper van, which is a Class B RV with everything you need for camping. A kitchen, fridge, bed, bathroom, and storage. Their plan was to visit as many national parks as possible. We soon figured out that by hearing other people talk about it, that there's this thing called public lands in the United States. And someone told us, oh, you don't have to go park stealthily. They, they allow you to use the public lands and, and camp on them. She said that changed their entire trip and mindset. Now they would become boondockers. How lucky could you be that most of the national parks that we wanted to visit are actually, especially in the Southwest, which is sort of the direction we were headed, are surrounded by either national forests or in the desert areas by Bureau of Land Management, there's some type of public lands available that uh, would allow you to boondock. Back in those days, from the years 2000 to 2001, it was super different than it is right now. There were not all the various apps and websites and bits of information available that there are now. In fact, we weren't, we weren't traveling with any access to the internet either. We, there was, I don't know if there were there was not the level of cell phone that there is now that you could connect to the internet on your phone. So we um, ended up having to ask a lot of people for, and the snowbirds were a great resource. Other people who had been boondocking and traveling in the circles of finding public land spots were kind enough to share with us some of their favorite locations. So we kind of went on their advice to uh, following paper maps, of course, we didn't have GPS and, and we didn't have uh, maps online, like Google Maps didn't even exist, I don't think, back then. But now there are all sorts of apps with maps listing boondocking sites. One is iOverlander. I don't know if you use that or not, but if you haven't used it, it's got free app and uh, you don't even have to be on the internet. The app works out without a data connection, so that's great. And it's got all kinds of information, not just free camping, um, but also campgrounds and where to find propane or water or RV dumps and all kinds of great, great information and including reviews. It's all crowdsourced, so which just means that various people have submitted their finds where they've been. And you have to sort of check the reviews and make sure that it's been reviewed recently and someone may have said oh I was there but it's no longer allowed things like that so you have to read carefully but but it's a great resource another one um, that's just fairly new I think it was launched in 2019 and we've only been able to use it a couple of times but because we haven't traveled much through the pandemic but the uh, it's called free roam 
it's I thought at first that it was a lot similar to to um, the Eye Overlander, but I believe it's it's got even more features and they're still adding even more. Uh, you can get free up to date weather filter for the weather conditions for where you're going, even things like the forest fire warnings like wildfires and uh, whether or not there's heavy smoke so that you don't head out to an area to find the boondocking that you're looking for and end up in smoke. Uh, so those are just little tiny extras, but there's uh, cell phone coverage too. That's another one that they they have. Again, a lot of times it's been submitted by crowdsourced. So people who are using it are submitting it. So even if you don't donate to be able to use the map, if you can't donate money, please participate by updating information. If you find something yourself that you want to add or or change and update, because uh, that keeps these these apps even more current and and working for everyone. The positive side of these apps is that it's made it way easier for people to find boondocking sites. In fact, iOverlander is our very favorite and we use that app all the time. Of course, a negative to this is more people are boondocking, which means sometimes more trash. In fact, some boondocking sites are getting shut down because of too much trash. I truly believe that 90% of, of everyone that's traveling wants to be responsible. If those of us, that 90% of us, at least when we arrive in a, in a location, bring a garbage bag and pick something up. If it's not, if, if, if it's been left, sometimes it's just a few things left in a, in a fire ring, for instance, um, if that won't burn. So rather than start your fire on top of that, pick it up. Why not? Why not leave it better than you found it? That's our own personal contribution to say thank you for allowing us to use this public land. I mean, what more could we ask for? And if we don't, if those that 90% of us aren't doing that to compensate for the 10% of the, the bad actors, then it's just going to get worse. And we won't have and you know what, the, it's already showing in some places across uh the United States, uh, the Southwest especially, where there used to be some amazing boondocking in, in some of the locations that I that we've visited, and they've they've shut them down. Well, does this mean boondocking is getting too crowded? What do you think? Things have gotten more crowded, but you know what? The last um, few times we've been out, we've been surprised at how it's still not the same as in campgrounds. I mean, if you want crowded, if you, if nobody wants crowded, but if, if you're going to say crowded, you're never going to be as crowded on public land as boondocking as you would be parked side by side in campgrounds, as far as I'm concerned. So I want to talk a little bit about boondocking etiquette. We had this one really weird experience when we were in Oregon. We drove up to this beautiful campsite with a view of Mount Hood. We we're getting ready to cook dinner. We were sitting outside our Chevy Astro van. And then someone came and parked right next to us. And this was a pretty small campsite. It wasn't like a huge, you know, big field where tons of people can park and be far enough away. She was actually right there in our space. And it was really weird because in the Astro van, we did most of our cooking and hanging out outside. And she was just sitting inside her van and we felt really uncomfortable. So we ended up leaving. And I thought it was kind of weird that someone would park so close to us. So just how close should someone park when boondocking? We prefer to park as far away with but still within sight of other campers. We don't want to be totally antisocial. We'd really prefer to have uh, be able to see who else is out there, but not uh, be in their space. So, so if there are, if you arrive at a boondocking area 
and I don't know, it depends on how big it is, but if there's, uh, say there's a, a, a water uh, source, so everybody's sort of parked along a lake or a river. If there are five people parked or three people parked, park either on one side of them uh, or in between the ones that are there, leaving an equal space between you and them. Now, as more people arrive and they fill in the spaces, you might end up being closer to people. But if everyone goes by the rule of being, you know, sort of parking within, maybe within sight, but just barely of the of the other people, then I think that uh, that's the probably the most respectful thing to do is, is to leave a respectful distance, unless you know the people, of course. We actually have a, a story of uh, our, I think it was our second trip. We were parked um, somewhere um, north of uh, Zion National Park. Anyway, we were parked along this lake and we were the only people there. We had arrived, they were the only camper. And another camper arrived and they parked right beside us, right beside us. And Randy, my husband, was going, what the heck? There's all these different spots. He brought out his fishing gear and was fishing. And we said, ah, oh, it must be, this must be his fishing spot. We must, that must be why. So I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I said, well, we could move, you know, we're not big. We don't have a lot of setup. We could move. But Randy said, you know, I have a better idea. At the time, he um, used to play clarinet. He, 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 he plays a guitar now. He carries that. But he carried his clarinet. He said, I'm going to start playing. And he did. He just started playing his clarinet and squawking it. And I'm sure the fish didn't appreciate it. But um, this is the type of thing that I, I think is just an example of someone moving in right beside somebody. And you just don't know what you're going to do. So if you do see other campers near you, what do you do? Should you walk over and say hello? We've always tried to be um, friendly in that if we go for a walk and we end up passing by another camper, if they're sitting out, we'll give them a wave, say hi. And if it looks like, you know, they want to engage in conversation, we'd actually rather do that. Partly because I think it's a safety thing. Uh, to know who your neighbors are. So if you're going to be boondocking in, in one location for an extended period of time, and a lot of the public lands allow up to two weeks, you might as well know who your neighbors are. I often get questions from my Wayward Home readers about how safe boondocking is. What do you think about safety being way out there in nature? I believe criminals, the kind that would break in or would, you know, maybe even harm you if they found you in your uh, camper. Uh, most of that, they're lazy. And so uh, since the, most of them are congested around in cities, in the big cities, then we try to not ever look for places to camp like that outside or within easy range of the bigger cities. They aren't going to be driving down, um, for the most part anyway, they're not going to be driving down um, uh, a road a rough road usually into national forests or or Bureau of Land Management looking in case there's somebody there who has something that they may want to steal. Um, so it's, it's not likely that's going to happen. And I often say to people as well, if you think that um, this is a beautiful place, gorgeous scenery, I'm here by myself, 
would I, if I was offered this piece of property, would I be afraid to build a cabin here or build something here if I owned it? No. So why would, why am I afraid to be here for a night or two in my RV? And if you start thinking that way about it, it's really just a matter of letting go of some of the unrational fears that people have. But what about break-ins when you're out boondocking and you leave your rig behind to go on a hike? We do leave it behind. We do lock the doors. It's generally never even a concern of ours. I mean, sure, it's not, don't leave your cash laying around the same as you would in a car. I think, I think we're just as likely or probably more likely to have our vehicle broken into in a Walmart parking lot or any parking lot in town than we are in um, parked at a trailhead or in a boondocking spot. You might think boondocking is just for smaller camper vans like our Chevy Astro or a Class B RV. But in fact, there are tons of places you can bring a bigger rig to as well. There are lots of places, especially in the southwest in the desert, where there's so much space that as long as the road in can handle uh, a big enough rig driving into these places, there's places like Quartzite where it's, it's just limitless the amount of big rigs that can, can fit into to the desert uh, parking areas that they have there. I know I mentioned earlier that Marianne has written boondocking guides for six different states, including exact locations of boondocking sites. I've bought several of these books and really love them so far. But one cool thing is in this book, she tries to estimate what size of rig can fit into particular sites. I'll take into account the the access road, um, the turning radius, and... Um, and how many sites there are. And some of the spots that, that are in the, my guides are really um, just a little bit too small to get turned around in, especially if there are other RVs in there. So what about dump sites and water? Where do you do that? Sites like iOverlander and um, Free Roam, they actually will have filters for that. So you, that helps you find them. Uh, you uh, also have uh, free websites like uh, sandydumps.com. Um, we use that one quite often. And something like water is pretty easy to find. Uh, visitor centers often will, if they don't uh, let you use their, fill up a jug or two at least at, at their, the visitor center, then they'll direct you often to where you can. RV dump stations, if you're willing to pay, a lot of um, campgrounds will let you dump your tanks even if you're not camped there. Now it can be fairly pricey, but $20 or thereabouts, it's still cheaper than paying for, for a campsite for the night. Boondocking is a great way to save money on camping, but there are other benefits too. What's your favorite, Marianne? Well, first of all, you don't have a reservation, so you don't have to uh, you know, say, oh, I'd love to stay here longer, but we have a reservation somewhere, so we have to keep moving. So it really, really allows us to keep our agenda really flexible. Secondly is the scenery. Uh, we are generally looking at nature from our camper and from our campsite, no matter which direction we look, um, and not into somebody else's window of their camper like you would in a, in a campground. So I want to know a little bit more about these boondocking guides you wrote. They're pretty cool. Can you tell us more about that? I started gathering information about some of our favorite spots and really it started out just for myself so that if we came back another year and a year after that, a year after that, we would 
um, remember where to go, where exactly find the directions to all these favorite uh, boondocking spots. So I have six guides to finding boondocking locations and a lot of other information about where our favorite hikes are and what are the things to do in that area, because it's no sense sending somebody to a boondocking location that there's nothing else in the area to do. So um, six guides, they include Southern Texas, they include uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and two for California. So there's one um, both for Southern California, one on the west side of, of the mountains and the coast, and the other the desert side of California, because California is so big, I haven't even got to the Northern California yet. And so I started writing those and I have um, reviewed them and updated them. They're, they're sold as eBooks through my website and I've updated them every, about every five years. We try and retrace the roots and from our own physically seeing the spots again, I, I put the next edition. Some of them are in their third edition. Some of them are in their fifth edition now. And I've purchased a few of these guides and I love their detailed information about various campsites and things to do in particular areas. If you're interested in checking out these boondocking guides, just go to thewaywardhome.com forward slash episode seven, and you'll see all the resources mentioned in this podcast today. I'll also put a link down in the show description in your podcasting app so you can find them even faster. So is there anything else you wanted to mention today, Marianne? If you have any fear, get out there and do it. Get out there and, and try it because life is for living. And uh, people who have, who, have, who have said to us, aren't you afraid? Well, maybe you shouldn't even be out there driving your RV around if you should be staying home because uh, there's so much to explore and so much to see. And if boondocking is a way that you can afford to do it better, get out there. All right, Marianne, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us all about your experience with boondocking. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I really hope this episode inspires you to get out there and try boondocking. It's really not all that hard. And once you get out there, you're just going to love it. The solitude, the being far away from people, we just really prefer it to being in a campground these days. Now, there are a couple of other ways that I like to find boondocking sites, aside from using those apps like iOverlander and Free Roam that were mentioned in this podcast. One thing you can do is go download or pick up at the ranger station something called a motor vehicle use map. Now, that map shows all the roads in that particular area, and you can look at the legend and see where you can boondock. It's usually represented with a series of dots on either one or both sides of the road. And that's another really cool place to find boondocking sites, because sometimes the the sites listed on those apps are overcrowded because everyone's using those apps. But if you go use a motor vehicle use map, um, you can often find your own boondocking sites, which is something I love to do. Another thing I'll do is I'll use something like iOverlander and I'll look at an area of Forest Service roads where people have boondocked in the past. And then I go on Google Maps, satellite view, and from there I can look at the roads and find out where the pullouts are. And that's another really cool way to find boondocking sites. So hopefully you'll take all the tools you've learned in this podcast and get out there and try it. Now remember, I will put links to Marianne Edwards' boondocking guides and also that program Boondockers Welcome that she helped found and links to iOverlander and Free Roam in my show notes. To access those, go to thewaywardhome.com forward slash episode seven. Thanks so much for joining me today. Remember to like and subscribe to my podcast. That helps me out quite a bit. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Happy camping. Thank you.